said that as we see him, so we see and we know the Father. We thank you that he has taught us what it is to, to love, what it is to give one's life as a sacrifice, both throughout the life that he lived and then that sacrifice made upon the cross. And truly, truly how beautiful were the feet that walked upon this earth, that healed many, that spoke words of eternal life, and that led to that cross and would not be dissuaded from that cross. We thank you that upon that cross he did make atonement for us, that our sins have been washed away by his blood, that he has reconciled us to you, that we have the peace of Christ, which is reconciliation with our God, and it cannot be lost. He has won that victory for us. We are in your hands, and as he has told us, we cannot be snatched out of those hands. We thank you for this work done for us on our behalf. We thank you that he bore the pains of hell, that he was buried in this earth, that he suffered all the torments that one could suffer. But he did so because of the joy that was set before him, which was his resurrection, which was his ascension on high, which he is now reigns in glory. We thank you that that joy included us, The joy is is his inheritance, which is us, that we now belong to him. We live by him. We are called by his name. So how beautiful is the gospel? How beautiful are those who speak the gospel, those who live out the gospel, who testify to it. And how beautiful truly is the body of Christ, the church of Christ, the church that is worldwide. But throughout this world, there are brothers and sisters of many tongues, many cultures, of many different ethnic groups, many different nations, many different ways of thinking and of living. And yet we have that one bond of Jesus Christ who brings us together. We all know what it is to be sinners, to have those sins forgiven, to be set free by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we are one together, members of that one body of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful church that it is. What a beautiful church that you have given us here at Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church. We have lived, many of us, in different parts of this country and of this world come from different backgrounds, different stories to tell, but all tell that one story. That is the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We all have the same hope. We all have the same future. We all have the same Savior and the same Lord. How beautiful is this church, and we thank you that you would draw us here, that we may be a part of this. Father, how beautiful 
it is to be called your people and be brought together to worship you. This is what you have made us for, to, to glorify you and to enjoy you forever. And so we do that here in this sanctuary, which represents and which joins the great sanctuary that is in your throne room. For there are multitudes and multitudes of, of angels and the saints who have gone before us. And together, though we, we cannot see it, we can only know it right now by faith, yet we are joined together in the worship of our great God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There are those of us who have lost loved ones, but we are united with them in giving you praise even now. We know that though we hold all of these things by faith, that someday we will behold them by very, by very sight, experience, which we only look to uh, through the eyes of faith. We can hold on to that because it has all been accomplished through our Lord Jesus Christ. So no matter what we go through in this life, the pains, the aches that we suffer, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, all the doubts that we may have will someday be removed. We can know that. Know that our hope is sure. And so we celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate those beautiful feet that walked upon this earth, that took him to the cross, that is going up into heaven, and someday we shall behold him. In his name we pray and give you thanks. Amen. Well, for our scripture reading... We continue again in Colossians chapter 3, and our verse this morning is the last verse of our series. It's verse 17, and I'm going to, again, as I've done each time, read the full text, which is Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. And if you're new... I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if you're using the Church Bibles, which are so fine edition, which is the New International Version, it'll explain a little bit why some of the words may have a little bit of a difference there. So Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, we're coming now to the end of a a series this is the, the fifth sermon in the series of, of the text that I've just read. We've looked at what it is to 
What's the proper dress code in the church? What are we to wear? We're to, uh, to wear compassion and, and meekness and humility and kindness and patience and forgiveness. And, and then over all these things, we are to put on love. And then what's to rule over us is the peace of Christ. And the word of Christ is to dwell richly in us. And we are to, to teach and instruct, to, to even admonish one another with the word through, through our songs that we sing to one another. Now we come to the, the conclusion, the summary, not only really of this passage, but it's really all that has gone uh, before in chapters uh, 2 and 3. And uh, so let's, let's take this verse, and we're going to kind of break it into three parts. And let me begin with that verse part where he says, And whatever you do in word or deed. Paul is about to cover all of the bases. Okay. What he's about to say, what we're going to do, covers every activity, not a category of activities. Now, I've talked before about this passage is really about the church, but he's not limiting it to the church here. Indeed, right after he says this verse, he goes into the, into the home. He talks about how Christ is to be involved in that home. Previously, in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2, he talks about how we're to, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So wherever we are, whatever we are doing, it's to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay. And so he then notes this. Do everything, whatever you do, whenever you open your mouth, whenever you do any kind of action... Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what does it mean to do something in the name of the Lord Jesus? Well, the primary thought is that of representing the name of Jesus Christ. The term Christian means literally Christ follower or belonging to Christ. And the way Paul could have written this was he could have just said, do everything as a Christian. That is, in everything you do, live up to your name, which is follower of Christ. Okay. So when Christ reconciled us to God, he moved us. He moved us from being enemies of God to being children of God, being members. Our, our baptism actually signifies this. It signifies how we are adopted into the family of Christ. When I baptize, whether it's a child or adult, you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the family that you now belong to. We're members of Christ's family. We are in the name of the Lord Jesus. And therefore, everything we do... We do it in his name. We're representing the family name. We're testifying by word or deed. That's who we belong to. That's where our allegiance is. And so, again, to act in the name of Christ is to represent our Lord Jesus Christ. But it also indicates more. It indicates what we possess in Jesus Christ. We possess his authority. We possess his power. We possess all the resources that come with belonging to to him. And so we're to act in light of our union with Christ. All that comes with it. So, 
earlier in, the, in this letter, this epistle of Colossians, in chapter 2, Paul had, had challenged the Colossian believers. He says, do not, do not give in to the old ways. Don't give in to the thinking of the world. See, you, you used to belong to that. And he says, on the cross, Christ went through a circumcision and a baptism. And on there, he, he bore our sins, he nailed our sins there on the cross, and then he was raised to life. And here's the point that he's saying. We were with him. We were united with him when he did that. We too, through him, experienced our own circumcision and baptism. We too died to the world on that cross. Our sins were nailed up there. And we too were raised with him. What's the result? That old life. That life of the world, it's dead to us. We're no longer alive in the world. We don't live by the world's rules and regulations. And the world will talk about, the the religious part of the world will talk about all these things we've got to do to earn our favor with God, to keep in good stead with God. Well, it no longer applies to us. All that needs for us to be kept in the good graces of God to have that salvation is what Jesus Christ has done. And we have died with him. We have been raised from the dead by him. We have been reconciled to God solely, solely by the work of Christ. And so therefore, in everything we do, we do it as those who are resting in Christ's work, not our own. And so we don't do anything. We don't speak. We don't act in any way as an effort to win God's favor or to win our place in heaven. We don't create a strategy. And and if I say this and if I do that, then God will remember me and God will like me. That's all over now that we are in Jesus Christ. But then there is even more that is here. To act in the name of Christ is to act under his authority, under his protection. We're no longer subject to the world's rules because we belong to Christ and we're his subjects. So wherever we go, whatever we do, we remain under his protection. It's like this. It's like we're like ambassadors or diplomats who've gone to another country and we are protected under the name of our country. We're not subjected to all the same rules and to the same regulations. And we may be in a hostile country, but they are supposed to receive us and keep us protected. In the same way, we go about in this world under the protection of our Lord Jesus Christ. No evil can come against us. In particular, the evil head of the other country... Satan cannot touch us. Our souls belong to the Lord. No one, no one can snatch us out of his hands. And so there in everything we do, that means we can do it with, without fear. We can do it in freedom. That freedom that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can do, all we've got to ask ourselves is what is right in the eyes of Jesus. We don't have to calculate. We don't have to calculate about how the world will receive it 
what Satan might do, how this is going to be received. All we have to know is what does our Lord Jesus Christ want of us? And he'll take care of us. He'll protect us. Our souls are in his hands. And then we act in the name of the Lord Jesus, availing ourselves with his power and with his riches. Again, earlier in Colossians, in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, Paul writes this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, for the Colossians, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, of God's will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and for, part, and for patience with joy. What do we have in Christ? We have true knowledge of God. We have true knowledge of who he is, what is his will for us, so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We can bear fruit in our deeds. Why? Because we are being strengthened by the power of Christ himself. According to what? To his glorious might. That's what is available to us. In his strength, we can endure. We can act in patience, with joy in all things because we have access to his power, to his strength. And so Paul is exhorting the believers, again, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, acting as his representatives, knowing that uh, as those who are united to him, we we can act without fear, we can act under his protection and his strength. We do not have to act to in order in such a way to prove ourselves, to have to earn God's favor, to have to protect ourselves from Satan, to have to try to to find some kind of strength within ourselves, we are in Jesus Christ. And so this gives us the freedom and the strength to do what he has already been saying, to to wear those traits of of compassion and meekness and and kindness and, and patience and so on. We can do that. We possess that ability. We have the the strength to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us, to to put that love above all, to, to have that peace of Christ, to act with responsibility before Christ. That is what being in the name of Christ allows us to do. It allows us to act with responsibility. It allows us to act in the power of Christ. And there's one more part uh, to this sentence. He says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, this is the third time you may have noticed that he has used this idea of giving thanks. In the last three verses, give thanks with thankfulness. Give these thanks. Now, it must be important. Evidently, acting in the name of Jesus Christ, it includes You know, it includes being thankful to God. Now, furthermore, what we're to understand is that it's not just, and this is another thing that that would be good to do. 
What he's saying here is that in everything, in everything, you need to be doing it in a spirit of thankfulness. 1 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul writes, he tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, he also loves a thankful doer. You know, we rightly admire Christians who labor in difficult fields. I mean, we, you know, we, we get these mission letters and we see what people are doing, the sacrifices that they're making, and, and we, we just admire them. And we rightfully should be doing that. They're, in our eyes, they're making great sacrifices. Well, even so, they will be the first if they are acting with the right motivation to saying, now, you got it wrong. The Lord is so gracious to give us such work. I was looking at a mission letter just, uh, just yesterday uh, from uh, friends who are serving in hard, hostile conditions. They have a young family of four children. The, the, the father is um, beset with ill health. They've been on furlough. They've received news of churches that have been burned to the ground. They're about to return to the field. And let me read a portion of what he writes. We know that we are returning to a place of hardship. But the answer is not to slink away into an early rest. We must work while it is day. We must be courageous. And our Lord's calls to courage are linked with the surety of success that he will bring his kingdom. So we are remembering Christ. Lo, I am with you always. This church will surely blossom in our country, whether in our lifetime or in the future. And we are remembering God's many gracious graces to us. So it keeps them going. God has given us such a wondrous work to do, and he's given us the assurance whether we see it in our lifetime or not, it will bear fruit. Oh, how wonderful is His grace. You can't write about your sacrifices. He can't. Without writing about God's goodness and thankfulness to God. That's what we must always have within us. Because they are in the name of, the, of Christ, they go forth in His name, trusting Him giving thanks to God the Father for the blessings that are theirs through Christ. And this, by the way, these last two words leads to the final and critical qualification. We're to be thankful to God. We're to be thankful to God the Father through Christ the Son. Now, I want you to listen carefully. In those last two words there, through Christ, This is what makes everything else and brings everything else to its proper conclusion. Again, they're not extra words kind of added to round off a sentence because he talked about Jesus. Maybe he ought to just add Jesus there at the end. He's saying is this, all that we have received, all that we have received, we have received through Jesus Christ. We're reconciled to the Father through Christ alone. We are adopted in Christ. We have received the riches that are ours that are in Christ. We know God as Father 
only through Christ the Son. And the Father will only hear us. He will only hear our thanks that are offered through Christ. It's how valuable Christ is, how important it is that all that we do in Christ. And so the summary of this, of this verse is this. And whatever you do in word or deed, whether it's, it's in the church, whether it's outside the church, whether it's religious, whether it's secular, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus as his representatives under his protection, united to him, filled with his riches and his strength, giving thanks to God the Father, giving thanks, doing all things in a spirit of thankfulness through him, through and only through our Lord Jesus Christ. As I've said, we've come to the end of this uh, passage, of this series that has been on the church. Again, we've talked about those spiritual traits, what we're to to wear in relation to one another. We've talked about love and and peace and the word of of Christ, all of which uh, of God's word is to dwell in us and among us as the body of Christ. And when we apply this last verse to the church, and that's what we're going to do now, and specifically to our church, we'll see that it impresses upon us Two things, responsibility and ability. Now, in regard to responsibility, clearly we're being told that we are responsible for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of his church, to love one another. Okay. You remember the words that he said to his disciples? We talked about this in the first sermon. In John thirteen thirty-five. by this all people will know that you're my disciples, that you are in my name, if you have love for one another. And there's no option to this. He's not giving advice. The verse before that says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And as he said, it's a commandment. Okay? It's not what I hope for you, What I suggest for you, it's the commandment that you receive from me as your head, and you are to obey. Our love for one another is to be the identifying mark that we belong to Jesus Christ. We're to do everything in his name, and if we are to honor that name rather than to dishonor it, we must love one another. We must not only love in, in, in word and, well, let me know, we, we need to love in word. We need to love in our speech. If we're going to trip up, it's usually in our speech, isn't it? And if we do trip up, now I'm talking about here in the church, it is likely to be when we are talking about the church. Now, in all churches, we know this, that there are differences of opinion about how things are run and what should get more emphasis, definitely what should get more money. And in every church now and then, there might be differences of opinion about the facilities and decisions that are made. In all the churches, there's often miscommunication, there's lack of communication. I mean, it pretty much goes with any kind of group that has more than two people in it, okay? That's just the way it is. 
The church is no different except this. As the representative of Jesus Christ the head, the members will supposedly relate to one another in the name of Christ. And they will not act like the world. They will not make cutting remarks, accusing remarks. Rather, they will bear with one another. They will forgive one another. They will speak with kindness to one another. This is what Christ is telling us. And we must love in word. We must also love in deed. 1 John 3.18 says this specifically. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. What he simply means by that, yes, you should say that you should love one another and so on, but don't give empty talk. Let it be backed up by your deeds. In the name of Christ, we are to care for one another in practical ways. We're to look out for each other. We're to, we're to pay attention to everyone and proactively meet those very real needs that they have. Everyone matters because everyone is a child of God in Jesus Christ. And so we are to serve in the name of Christ. Now, these things are our responsibility. That's what it is, to be in the name of Christ. But that same name also gives us the ability. We can do all things through what? Through him, through Christ, who strengthens us. And so in the name of Christ, we possess all that we need to love our brothers and sisters. He has given us the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He's made us new creatures. Okay? We're no longer helpless. We're no longer slaves to sin. You can love in word and deed that individual who rubs you the wrong way. You can. You can be understanding of others who don't measure up to your standards. You can. You can be forgiving. You can be kind. And to say that you can't is to say that Christ's power is of no avail. That the Holy Spirit just just isn't strong enough to do that kind of work in you. You're in Christ. You're in the name of Christ. And so Christ has given you responsibility and ability. All you have to do, the only thing you've got to do, is do everything in the name of Jesus Christ. And you'll actually find it very helpful. You don't know how to resolve conflict between you and say maybe someone else in the church. Just look at that person through Jesus Christ as belonging to your Lord, as having been redeemed by the blood of your Savior. I tell you, Christ will give you wisdom. He'll even give you the courage to do what you need to do. You're not sure how to, about, how to speak about a matter that concerns you? Well, what would Jesus have you do as his representative? Just ask yourself that question. Just ask Jesus that question. You'll be surprised at the wisdom that will be given you. You see, the key to doing everything the right way is to do everything consciously in the name of Jesus. Our main problem is that we act without consciously bringing him into the picture. And the time in which we're most likely not to bring him into the picture is when there's conflict, when we're upset, something's bothering us. 
But I tell you, if you bring him back in, especially in those times of conflict, I mean, tell me if you will not find that his peace does not end up ruling you and leading you to bring peace. Using the counsel of verse 16. Remember that from last Sunday. Sing. Maybe sing to yourself. Teach and admonish yourself. Sing about Jesus. Sing praises to Jesus. Sing thanks to Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through Jesus. What can you do then but love? When you sing about Jesus, when you sing, what a friend, what a friend for sinners, even such sinners as as you and as I am, how can you but now in word and deed, but do all in the name of Christ Jesus? Let's pray. We thank you, our God, for our Lord Jesus Christ, that we live in his name that we belong to him, that he claims us, that he has given us the power to do all that is needed to, to, in word and deed, in his name. And may all the more, our Father, we we be conscious throughout our lives, throughout the day, through every hour, that we belong to him and that all that we're doing is is for him and to represent him and, and under his power. Oh, may we always be giving thanks and looking to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.